This is James Schofield, the creator of the stories in Behind the Bottom Line. In season six, I'm taking you away from your everyday routine, and we're going to Venice with an exhausted young executive called Emily Lee, who badly needs a holiday. This is episode five, so let's find out what's been happening so far. Emily is enjoying her stay at the Advanced Centre for Wellness and Meditation on the island of Pacelli in the Venetian Lagoon. But there are some disturbing things about the place. Why has Caliban Leone, the founder of the centre, got a full-scale chemical laboratory in his cellar? What caused the argument between the centre's cook, Paolo, and Caliban's sinister henchman, Milos? And what is Maria, Emily's fitness coach, hiding? So make yourself a cappuccino or mix an Aperol spritz and get ready to find out in episode 5 of Peril in Venice. Chapter 9. Back to Venice. It was Emily's last day. Much to her surprise, Maria was extremely cheerful when they met up for their jog with Sergei the next morning. Maria practically danced along the paths and across the rocks. Emily had difficulties keeping up with her, and by the time they finally stopped, she was puffed out, while Sergei had given up and gone back to the centre. God, Maria, what are you so happy about? She finally gasped. Oh, Emily, I have wonderful news. Dottore Leone is going to help Paolo and me start a restaurant. Isn't that great? I knew he would. She bounced up and down, unable to contain her excitement. When did he tell you this? Early this morning. I was so worried because of last night. That fight you saw. It started because Milos found out about Paolo and me wanting to leave, and he said we were ungrateful. Paolo got angry, and then Milos attacked him. He's terribly strong. I thought that Dottore would be mad. Milos is his favourite, you know. The corners of her mouth turned down. But this morning, he came to Paolo and said he would lend us the money. It's amazing. So, next week, you and I can look together for a good place for the restaurant. Thank goodness, thought Emily. Once again, her suspicions and fears were unnecessary, and there was a happy end to what she had seen. Probably best not to ask too many questions. Emily swam as usual, while Maria splashed about at the edge of the water. You should learn to swim, Maria. It's wonderful this morning. Ugh! Horrible wet stuff. If God had meant me to swim, I'd have been a duck. Emily laughed. Maria's good mood was infectious, and it continued as they ran back to the centre. After breakfast, Emily said her farewells to the other guests, promised Sergei that she would come to the opening of his exhibition in Moscow, and kissed Dottie goodbye, skillfully 
managing to avoid the green lipstick. Dotty was sad that Emily was not staying for another week. Now be careful, darling. You know what the cards said, don't you? They never lie. And you'll come here for lunch with your young man next week, won't you? Of, of course. But he isn't actually my young man, you know. Well, he should be, sweetie. The card said there was romance in the air. Do something about it. Valentina took the group off for their morning yoga, and Emily went to her room to collect her last things. She found Maria just closing her suitcase. She turned suddenly as Emily came in, and seemed to jump a little. You didn't have to finish my packing, Maria. Oh, I, I wanted to, and I packed a little present for you. Open it when you get to your hotel. Oh, that's sweet of you. Can't I open it now? No! Maria was almost fierce. No, no, uh, let it be a surprise when you get to your hotel. It's just something small I made for you. Oh, by the way, Dottore Leone wanted to see you. I'll tell him you're ready. They kissed each other goodbye, and Maria left to fetch Leone, who arrived moments later and carried her suitcase down to the quay. He seemed tired. Not surprising, thought Emily. But this morning she felt positive about him. Helping Paolo and Maria was generous. So, Emily, did you enjoy your stay here? I think the centre is wonderful. You have made it into a beautiful place. Thank you. He was pleased. I hope you will come again. Now, normally... He brought out a small parcel from his jacket pocket. Normally, I give guests a packet of my tea when they leave. But in your case, I don't think that's such a good idea. They both laughed. Emily opened her present. It was a scarf made of Venetian lace. Oh, that's beautiful, Dottore Leone. Thank you. She shook it out and held it up to the light to look at. By the way, I think it's very kind of you to help Maria and Paolo. He looked surprised that she knew. Well, I hope it will be profitable for me, you know. I'm sure they'll do well. Is Milos taking you across to the airport? Oh, no, no, it's okay. I'm staying another week in Venice. I've ordered a taxi to pick me up and take me over to Ponte Giulia. A boat trip with Milos was the last thing she wanted. Leone gave her a sharp look. It hasn't been easy for Milos, Emily. His parents were killed in the war in Yugoslavia. He's very intelligent, and some of the terrible things he saw are still inside him, I think. Privately, Emily thought what Milos needed was a psychiatric hospital rather than sympathy, but she simply smiled, shook Leone's hand, and climbed onto the shiny taxi launch that had arrived. As she set off across the lagoon, Emily watched Leone walk slowly back to his house. Somehow, he seemed about ten years older than when she had arrived the week before. Despite herself, 
Emily couldn't help speculating about what his problems were. Was that chemical laboratory really as innocent as Dotty seemed to think? No, it was none of her business. She was going to stop being a busybody and just enjoy the sights like any normal tourist in Venice. Emily put on her sunglasses. The sunlight bouncing off the water was very bright. She sat down on the bench at the back of the taxi and unzipped her suitcase to put Leone's present away. Lying on top of her things, she found Maria's parcel, beautifully wrapped. She opened it, and inside was a pretty necklace made from shells and glass beads. She admired it and then lifted up the magazine that was lying on top of her clothes to put the necklace and Leone's present underneath. There lay a small cosmetic bag that she had never before seen in her life. Chapter 10 Da Bianca Emily, you look wonderful. Philippa picked her up and gave her an enormous hug and a kiss on both cheeks as she entered the lobby of the Hotel Mastelli in the Campo dei Mori. It was nice being greeted like that. Somehow, that sort of thing never happened in the Burger Build office in Germany. Filippo had worked at the hotel during his holidays from university, and so when he rang from Germany to make reservations for them both, he was treated by the owner like a star, and they were given the best rooms in the hotel. Emily's had a high ceiling and was light and airy, with a small balcony that looked out onto a canal. Filippo's was across the hall and overlooked the campo. She unpacked her suitcase and then sat down at her dressing table to look properly at the small cosmetic bag which had mysteriously appeared. She spread the contents over the table. There wasn't much. A packet of tissues, four aspirins in a blister pack, a sanitary pad, lipstick, eyeliner, mascara and a tiny mobile phone. Had Maria accidentally packed it into her suitcase? Or had she put it there for a reason? As she sat puzzling, the phone rang. It was the hotel reception. A Miss Lee, I have a message for you from a Signorina Torres. She say you have bag of hers by mistake. Is in your suitcase. She wants you to look after it till you see her this week. So that explained it. Emily was about to put the things back in the bag when there was a knock at the door and Philippa came in. He was very good looking. She could hear Dotty's voice in her head saying something like, Darling, he's gorgeous. If you don't want him, give him to me. He treated Emily as if she was his favourite sister. Whenever he had a new girlfriend, he would introduce her to Emily and later ask Emily for her opinion. And after about two weeks, when Filippo stopped seeing her, Emily had to spend another fortnight answering the phone for him, pretending he was on a business trip 
On two occasions, Emily had found a girl crying over Filippo in the lady's lavatory at work, and had had to take her to Starbucks and buy her a latte macchiato to cheer her up. She really liked his company, but he was not boyfriend material, whatever Dottie's tarot cards might think. So, are you ready for lunch yet, Emily? I want to take you to my favourite restaurant in Venice and introduce you to my best friends Oscar and Bianca. They set off towards the Vaporetto stop, with Filippo showing her different places as they went. You know, this square here is called Campo dei Mori because of the three statues. There, see? With the turbans. They are maybe 800 years old. And then there is a fourth. They walked on with Filippo talking and talking. He was really happy telling her about the buildings and places and interweaving stories of things he had done and people he knew in the city. They crossed a bridge and entered a square which seemed different to the other places they had walked through, with tall buildings unlike anywhere else in Venice. It was very quiet and plain, with no shops and hardly any people. This is the Campo del Ghetto Nuovo. In the 16th century, all the Jews lived in this tiny area. They couldn't live anywhere else in Venice. They were allowed to build their houses this high so they could all live here together. Some of them have nine floors. Everywhere else only has maybe four or five. They walked across the square and through the narrow, twisting streets on the other side towards the Ponte Giulier. The dark, ancient walls on either side still had the holes in them to carry the gates, which at that time had shut the Jews into the ghetto at night. Emily was glad to leave it behind. It seemed suddenly very sinister. They caught a Vaporetto at the railway station down to the Rialto, and then went into the tiny streets leading to San Marco. Emily remembered what Filippo had said about getting lost in two minutes and held on to his arm tightly. Although he knew the streets so well, they often had to go slowly because of the huge groups of tourists. Why do people on holiday wear clothes they wouldn't dream of wearing at home if they went shopping? As she looked at a couple of plump German teenage girls who seemed to be wearing nothing but underwear and sunglasses as they buried their noses into enormous ice creams. He shrugged his shoulders. Even some of the Italian tourists look terrible when they come here. I don't notice them anymore. That is something you have to learn in Venice. Ignore the ugly modern and concentrate on the beautiful past. So, here we are. He turned left, away from the main tourist street, into a narrow alley, which led into a square, and suddenly, as if by magic, they were in a different world. Small children kicked a ball around, with a tiny dog chasing it. At a bar on the corner, old men stood and drank their coffee and discussed the latest football scandal, while their wives leant out of their windows to chat or shout at the children below. Washing hung from lines on the balconies 
and a small kiosk in the middle was covered in hundreds of different magazines and CDs. Oh, said Emily, stopping to look around in amazement. We're in Italy. Filippo laughed. We always were, even out there with all the tourists. That's Italy too. But this is maybe a more enjoyable part. Venice is like that. If you know where to look, there are quiet places too. They went down a few steps on one side of the square into a restaurant with a sign outside which said Da Bianca. As Filippo entered, there was a loud scream and a small girl of about six jumped down from the stool she was sitting on at the bar and hurled herself at him. He picked her up and then followed about five to ten minutes of confusing noises and shouts and screams as what could only be the girl's mother, Bianca, and then her father, Oscar, appeared from the kitchen and also seemed to jump on Filippo and kiss and hug him until he nearly disappeared under a sea of arms and enthusiasm. Although Emily could not understand a word of what was said, she could see that they were pleased to see him. Finally, everybody was quiet enough for Emily to be introduced, and although the little girl did not seem keen on having to sit next to Emily, she cheered up when she was allowed to sit on Filippo's lap. This was another sight to him. This is my goddaughter Lucia, Emily. She is six, and she made me promise to marry her when she's grown up. Oscar laughed. I won't allow it, Filippo. You'll break her heart. You'll have to marry someone else. So, what are you two going to eat? Afterwards, Emily remembered the whole afternoon as a sort of culinary dream. Dish followed dish, wine followed wine, and the conversation, at first mostly in English, and then gradually more and more in Italian, covered everything from work, politics, sport, families, friends, and the problem of trying to live in a city that was going to disappear under water one day. Emily told them about the Advanced Centre for Wellness and Meditation on Pacelli, and they laughed at her description of Leone, Dotti and Sergei. Then Filippo, who was quite drunk by now, told them about Emily's uncovering of the fraud and murder in Burgerbild. If it wasn't for Emily, I'd be in prison now. She saved my life. And Oscar and Bianca said that she was now part of their family, and more wine was drunk to toast their new sister, except by Lucia, who had fallen asleep. Finally, at about five o'clock, Filippo and Emily left the restaurant to go back to the hotel with everybody kissing everybody goodbye. Even Lucia allowed Emily to kiss her, though not enthusiastically. Let me just buy a newspaper, said Filippo. He took La Stampa, thought for a moment, bought the International Herald Tribune as well, and gave it to Emily. You didn't have to buy that for me? Yes, I did. 
otherwise I couldn't sit and read my paper on the Vaporetto back. They took one which went all around the island. Emily picked up her newspaper and flicked through the pages briefly, then sat with it open on her lap, looking at the scenes passing her by, enjoying the sun on her face and the occasional splash of salty water on her lips. Filippo ignored everything and read. It did, of course, make him look like a real Venetian, Emily thought. They were the only people in the world who could sit on a vaporetto and not look at the beautiful things on either side. Slowly, they approached their stop. Emily sighed and picked up the paper again. She was about to put it in her bag when a name on the open page caught her eye. She quickly read the short article then read it again very carefully. Police had found a body in a hotel room in Berlin. A well-known British DJ had died from a drug cocktail of cocaine, Viagra and ecstasy. His name was Jason Tucker. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, please tell your friends about it. Word of mouth is the best way for more people to find out about Behind the Bottom Line. It would also be great if you could visit my website on www.behindthebottomline.com and leave a review there on Apple Podcast. Now, I spoke with one of my listeners last week and she said she would like to write a review, but she wasn't sure what to say. Now, if you feel like that, what I would suggest is that you write about anything which interests you in the podcast. It could be the, the characters, it could be the setting, um, the language, the music, my voice. Um, I want to know what you like and what you don't like because I want to get better. And the best way for me to do that is to hear what you think about the show. By the way, if you'd like to read Peril in Venice, you can. Just go to the bookshop on my website and you can order either the paperback or the e-book version. You can also order a copy of Double Trouble, the story that featured in Season 5. And uh, all this is on my website on www.behindthebottomline.com In next week's episode, Filippo and Emily go exploring Venice again this time things aren't quite so enjoyable for either one of them. And what's worse, there could be another death just around the corner. So, until then, take care and goodbye. <laughs>